The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. As you remember, Editor White, Kent, and Lois Lane were engaged in a campaign to oust District Attorney Parker from office, with information provided by Ralph Remsen, former assistant to Parker, who had resigned in protest against the DA's crooked policy. A baffling obstacle confronts them now. An invisible man, who, though he cannot be seen, warns them against going through with their campaign. The invisible man has already attempted to blow up the Daily Planet, in which, however, he was thwarted by Superman. When we last saw them, Editor White, Kent, Lois, and Remsen were in the office of the mayor, who had just pledged to support, when the voice of the invisible man warned him to have no part in it. Listen. Don't be misled, Mr. Mayor, into thinking that because I'm invisible, I can do you no harm. Uh, this is preposterous. Look here, you people. Is this some sort of stupid trick you're playing on me? Some joke that I... I wish it were only a joke, Your Honor. That voice you hear is the voice of the invisible man. Ridiculous, Mr. White. There can't be such a thing as an invisible man. It does sound ridiculous, doesn't it? Well, of course, Mr. Remsen. But we know there is an invisible man. I'm afraid Mr. Remsen is right, Your Honor. You see, we've heard that voice before. The first time was in Editor White's office. Yes, and then Mr. Kent and I heard it while we were having dinner in a restaurant. The invisible man actually sat down at the table with us. And now, Mr. Mayor, you hear my voice here in your own office. Incredible. It's some trick. It must be. Trick or no trick, Your Honor, be warned in time. Give your assistance to this campaign against my friend, District Attorney Parker, and you'll regret it. I refuse to be intimidated. I shall certainly give my support to any campaign... Wait, that... please. In a moment, Mr. Mayor, your telephone will ring. After you have answered the telephone, you will change your mind. Ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. I certainly don't... Uh, Mr. Kent, what are you doing at that closet? What, what right have you, sir, to open that closet and examine the inside? Yes, Clark. What's the idea? Well, nothing, Chief. I was just sort of looking around. Looking for what, sir? Why, I don't know. A dictaphone or, or a... telephone. Yes, Your Honor, your phone is ringing. Pick it up and answer it. Or perhaps you are afraid. Afraid? Why should I be afraid? Hello? Yes, this is the mayor speaking. Oh, yes, my dear, I... What's that? Yes? 
Yes. I see. Gentlemen, explain. I, I'm afraid I must withdraw my support. There is nothing I can do for you. But, Mr. Mayor... Phone call, Mr. Mayor. What was it about? Let me answer that. That was the mayor's wife. She called to tell him that she and her young daughter had just been in an automobile accident. No, she knew all the time. An accident, Mr. Mayor, from which they barely escaped with their lives. A truck crashed into their car, wasn't that it? Yes. That was it. Gentlemen, Miss Lane, I... I hope you understand. I'm no coward. But my wife, my little daughter... Well, they mean more to me, far more than any political career. We can't blame you, sir. It's the human thing to do. But that blasted invisible man. Kent. Yes, sir. A little while ago, you mentioned a dictaphone. Yes? You said there might be one concealed in this office. Well, I, I just had an idea that maybe... Your idea must be right. Mr. Mayor, I suggest we search this office and search it thoroughly. If we don't find a dictaphone or some such thing concealed around here, I'll be very much surprised. Mr. White, I think you've got something. Let's start looking for that dictaphone. It's Kent. Suppose you search the next office very carefully. Right, sir. Mr. Remsen, you take that little office in there. All right, Mr. Mayor. Miss Lane and Mr. White will help me search this office. It's larger than the others and will take more time. Now, don't stare at me. Search the closet. Pull up the rugs. But be sure you leave nothing untouched. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is very amusing. No, no, Mr. White. Not in that closet. <laughs> Why not try the other? If I could get my hands on you. Desperating, isn't it? Perhaps I'm in the mood. Shut up, would you? Shut up. Oh, this is nerve-wracking. Oh, Mr. Remsen. There's a couch in that office you're in. Look behind that. Don't worry, I will. Your Honor, Mr. White. Yes, Lost. I know where the invisible man is. No. I just saw the shadow of someone out there on the fire escape. I barely saw it, but there's someone on that fire escape outside the window. Lois, if you're right. Come on, White. Unless I miss my guess, this solves the mystery of the invisible man. Oh, wait. I have a gun in my desk. Yeah, there. Now then, White. You throw open the window, and I'll cover whoever's out there with this automatic. Right. All set? Mm, yes. Then here goes. Don't move. You're on fire. Do you hear me? I, I, I... Clark. It's Kent. Oh, what on earth are you... Sorry if I've upset you. I was just doing a little investigating out here, and I thought... Never I... mind what you thought. How did you get out on this fire escape? You were in the other office. I, uh... This fire escape doesn't reach to the window of that office. Why, it would take a... Well, a superman to leap across the space between. Well, you see, I I came up from below. I, I went through your office. Well, we didn't see you. Uh, no, no. You were too busy searching the room to notice me. I, I went below to the office under this one, got out on the fire escape, and, and came up. And we thought you were the invisible man. And no, no doubt. You see how stupid you all were. That voice. The invisible man again. Will somebody give me a hand through this window, please? Okay, come on. Uh, you and your fire escapes. And his dictaphones, too. Friends, I hope you realize now that I can and do call the turn without the need of mechanical contrivances. I'm sure all of you can see the wisdom of giving up this campaign against District Attorney Parker. I, I don't know what to do. Well, I do. Yes, Benson? I haven't waited months for this chance to put Parker behind bars to throw it away now. I say, let's go ahead with this campaign. That's right. Bravo, Mr. Benson. Most courageous. <laughs> Also most foolhardy. I agree with Mr. Renton. Let's go ahead with the campaign. I don't know about that. What's that, Kent? I say let's drop the whole business. Why, what do you mean, Kent? Kent, you certainly don't mean you'd be willingly give up this campaign to break a cook like this as Attorney Parker? Why not, Chief? I'm a reporter, not a crusader. My job is to expose the news, not expose crooks. Now, you'll forgive my saying this, Your Honor, but if you yourself are afraid to support this campaign against Parker, well, 
Why should we risk our necks? But the mayor is thinking of his family, his wife and daughters, not himself. Well, that's so, but... Well, where are we without the mayor's support? I'll tell you where we are, Kent. If the mayor can't help us, then the governor can. Lois, you and I'll drive upstate tonight and see the governor first thing in the morning. I'll get action on this campaign if it's the last thing I do. Hello? Yes, this is District Attorney Parker. Who? Oh, hello, Lucky. Yeah? Now, wait a minute, Lucky. Yes, I know all about the story in the Daily Planet. Well, what can I do about it? What? Now, wait a minute, Lucky. Don't get tough with me. I... What? All right. All right, goodbye. As if I could do anything to stop Remsen and frighten them. Uh, come in, come in. Who the devil... Close the door, Parker. Oh, the invisible man again. <laughs> Glad to see me, Parker. You've got a nerve showing... Well, not showing your face around here. Relax, Parker. You've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, that's what you said last time. And between then and now, two stories have been published in the Daily Planet. I know, but there are no buts. Now, get this. I promised you a hundred grand to do this job. Fail me and you don't get a cent. Not one red cent. Listen to me, Parker. I've come to let you know that the campaign against you is as good as finished. I'll believe that when I read it in the papers. Or rather, when I don't read it. I mean what I say. The one man who's really spent on seeing you run out of office is Editor Perry White of the Daily Planet. The one way to stop this campaign is to get rid of Editor White. So what? What are you getting at? Tonight, White and Lois Lane are driving up to see the governor at the executive mansion. From the city to the governor's mansion is a trip of about 140 miles. I have so arranged it that something will happen to that car at exactly the hundredth mile. The hundredth mile? What have you done? Placed a bomb in the car? No, Parker. Nothing as crude as that. Oh, I get it. You're going to have a truck crash into them or something, huh? No. That might not succeed. The plan I have thought out cannot fail. When White and Miss Lane reach the hundredth mile of their trip, it will be the end of them and their campaign against you. Yes, but what have you done to the car? You'll have to wait and see, Parker. What time is it? It's uh, close to ten o'clock. Why? Ten o'clock. White and Lois Lane left about two hours ago. They should be nearing the hundred mile mark of their trip right now. for your thoughts, Lois. What? Oh, I'm just thinking. About Kent? Yes. Funny, his acting the way he did, wanting to give up this campaign against Parker. Oh, he's never been very courageous, but, well, well, I never thought he was that cowardly. Well, best forget it. Tired? A little. You're certainly pushing this car along. Must be doing 70. Well, not much traffic on the highway this time of night. How far do we still have to go before we reach the executive mansion? About 40 miles, I'd say. Let's see. Yeah? The 100-mile mark is just coming up. Another mile and a quarter, and we'll have covered exactly 100 miles. Another mile and a quarter, and our friends will reach the 100-mile mark. What will happen? What has the Invisible Man done to Editor White's car? And will Superman be able to help Lois and White... Be sure to hear the next exciting episode of our story with Superman.
And remember, tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh -huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. On surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. As you remember, Editor White, Kent, Lois Lane, and Ralph Remsen had gone to the mayor to enlist his aid in the campaign against District Attorney Parker, whose crooked practices, they believe, made him unfit for office. The mayor had pledged his support when the Invisible Man strange and baffling ally of the crooked DA, warned him against it by involving the mayor's wife and daughter in a near-fatal accident. Then, Kent surprised everybody by refusing to have anything more to do with the campaign himself. As our story opens today, we join White and Lois, who are driving alone to see the governor in the state capital 140 miles away. Any for your thoughts, Lois? What? Oh. Well, I was just thinking. About Kent? Yes. Funny his acting the way he did, wanting to give up this campaign against Parker. Oh, he's never been very courageous, but... Well, I never thought he was that cowardly. Yeah, best forget it. Tired? A little. Hey, you're certainly pushing your car along. Must be doing 70. Yeah, there's not much traffic on the highway this time of night. How far do we still have to go before we reach the governor's mansion? About 40 miles, I'd say. Let's see. Yes, the 100-mile mark is just coming up. Another mile and a quarter, and we will have covered exactly 100 miles. On with the car roars at 70 miles an hour, headlight boring into the black night, on with the certain destruction. Meanwhile, at the offices of the Daily Planet, Clark Kent talks to Ralph Remsen, the man responsible for the campaign against Parker, unaware that his friends are in danger. Listen. Exactly what makes you so anxious, Remsen, to get District Attorney Parker out of office? I don't like crooks, Kent. And I don't like to see the people of this city cheated and hoodwinked. I don't like cowards either, Kent. Meaning what, Remsen? You know, Kent, there's something peculiar about you. 
What do you mean? Well, take what happened in the mayor's office this afternoon. All of us are searching for a dictaphone, thinking that maybe the invisible man works his trick voice that way. Yes? You go into another room, another office, and start searching that. Well? The next thing we know, you're out on the fire escape. And to get to that fire escape from the other room, you'd have to leap 20 feet through space. Ah, I explained that, Remsen. I merely walked through the mayor's office, went downstairs to the office just below the mayor's, and came up again by way of the fire escape. Yes. But for one thing, I didn't see you come through the mayor's office. I've already said that all of you were too busy searching the place to see me. Maybe so. But if you wanted to examine that fire escape, why didn't you do it through the mayor's office? Why did you have to go downstairs and come up on the fire escape? Well, I, I thought... I, yes, I thought yes, yes, you thought what? Well, you see, I... Hello, I, everybody. I, oh, hello, Jimmy. Uh, you know Mr. Remsen, don't you? Oh, I sure do. You're the man who's giving Mr. Kent and Miss Lane all the dope in Parker, aren't you? That's right, Jimmy. I've been looking for Miss Lane. Anybody know where she is? Oh, didn't you know, Jimmy? No. Lois and Editor White are on their way to the governor's mansion. They want to get the governor's help in this campaign against Parker. Oh. They left about two hours ago. Ought to have covered the best part of the trip by this time, a hundred miles at least. Why didn't you go with him, Mr. Kent? You and Miss Lane are working this case together, aren't you? Yes, yes, that's right. Mr. Kent doesn't want to say so, Jimmy. But at the moment, he and your friends aren't getting along so well. You mean Lois and Mr. White are mad at you, Mr. Kent? Oh, in a way, yes. Why? What happened? Well, Mr. I... Mr. Kent wanted to give up the campaign to get rid of District Attorney Parker. It seems the invisible man is sort of getting on his nerves. I get this. That isn't true, is it, Mr. Kent? But, Jimmy, I just don't see how we can do anything against an adversary you can't even see. Or, to put it bluntly... Mr. Kent doesn't see why he should risk his neck. Now, that isn't true. Mr. Kent is the bravest man in the world. Now, when we were... Those are Mr. Kent's own words, Jimmy. Now, wait a minute, Remsen. I was just trying to look at things sensibly. You're trying to make me out a coward in front of Jimmy here. Well? It's called you a coward, Mr. Kent. You're not going to let him get away with it, are you? So long as I know it isn't true, Jimmy. Mr. Kent, let a man call you a coward and not do something about it. Yes, why don't you do something about it, Kent? I've been itching to take a shot at you ever since you tried to get everybody to give up this campaign against Parker. If there's anything I detest, it's a coward. Oh, fighting won't get us anywhere. Well, you'd change your mind if I took a poke at you. See how you're like this. Oh, my hand. My hand. You must have a jaw like steel. I think I've my hand. I hit you right in the butt, oh. and it didn't seem to hurt you at all, but look at him. It must have been the way he hit me. He must have hit a nerve in his hand. Yeah, it was like hitting a stone wall. Mr. Kent, this doesn't settle that business about you being a... Oh, you know what I mean. Jimmy, I hope I'm not a coward. I'm not giving up this campaign against Parker because I'm afraid. And why are you giving it up? The answer to that, my friend... Is very simple. What was that? Well, who said that? That's the voice of the invisible man, Jimmy. Huh? I'm sort of getting used to it now, but the you invisible haven't... man? Jimmy, you haven't met me before. And so naturally, you're a little excited. How do you do, Jimmy? Uh, uh, hello. Oh, Michael. Kent, this question of whether you're a coward or not seems to be a difficult one. Frankly, I'm of the opinion that you are a coward. Maybe we ought to take a vote on it. I have little respect, Kent, for a man who will forsake his friends as you have done... The minute danger begins to threaten, I don't see. What are you getting at? What do you mean when danger begins to threaten? Why, yes, Invisible. Exactly what did you mean by that? <laughs> You're suffering from a case of nerves, gentlemen. I meant nothing special by what I said. <laughs> nothing could possibly happen to Miss Lane or Mr. White, could it? Certainly not with me here and they... Shall we say at least a hundred miles away? No. No, I, I suppose not. Jimmy, what time is it? Just a little after ten. Uh, I've got to see the press room foreman right away. Jimmy, you and Remsen can keep the invisible man entertained until I get back. Oh, all right, Mr. Ken. Mr. Remsen, this invisible man actually exists or am I dreaming? I'll answer that, Remsen. 
No, Jimmy, you're not dreaming. I am really in this room with you, but you cannot see me. You see, by means of a trick, we did it himself, couldn't we, I may be wrong, but I'm afraid there was some implication in what the Invisible Man said about Lois and White being in danger. Just to be sure nothing happens to them, I'd better see if I can pick up their car. Now, there's the post road below me, like a silver snake in the moonlight. I don't see a car anywhere. Maybe the Invisible Man didn't mean anything at all by what... Wait. There. There are the headlights of a car. Far in the distance. Maybe White and Lois. I'd better pile on speed. I've got a feeling that seconds may mean the difference between life and death. Yes, there's no doubt, Lois, that the governor will help us. Well, it's this invisible man business that bothers me, Mr. White. Mm, that is a riddle. You know, I... Well, you better slow down, Mr. White. It's pretty steep curve away. Practically a hairpin turn. Yes, I'd better slow... What, 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 they... Mr. White, what's happened to the car? Oh, the steering wheel. It's broken. Mr. White, we're heading for that, that tube. Oh, what the... Lois, the brakes don't work either. Oh, oh gosh, there's nothing I can do, Lois. Nothing. The handbrake. Try to work the handbrake, Mr. Oh, that doesn't work either. Oh, we can't stop. There's the edge of the cliff. We're going over it. Oh! We're out in space. We're falling, Lois. Falling. No, we're not falling. What? We're, we're flying. Good heavens. Something told him it's up. Swinging us around toward the road again. You're right. Copy it, Nick. We're being lifted back onto the road. Quick, look out and see. Come on. There's no one here. Nothing. Yeah. There is. Look. Against the moon. The figure of Superman. Oh, Mr. White, don't you think you ought to give Clark Kent another chance? Yes, Mr. White. Maybe there's some reason for his trying to... The only reason he's got is fear. Mr. Remsen, you're beginning to give me a pain in the neck. Jimmy, no way to talk to people older than yourself. Sorry, Miss Lane, but forget it. White, I say fire, Kent. If we're going to win against Parker, we need men, not mollycoddles. Yes, you're right. There's nothing to do but fire, Kent. And I might as well... Hello, everybody. Uh, you wanted to see me, Chief? Yes, Kent. I guess the quicker I get this over with, the better. Kent, you're fired. I see. Hey, Mr. Kent... I'm sorry, Kent. You've proven by your actions that you're not the man we need in a job like this. Well, sure. Sure, I understand. Oh, Clark, aren't you going to say something in your own defense? Are you going to stand there and take this the way you take everything else without doing something about it? Mr. Kent, aren't you going to say something? Do something. What can I do? Oh, if you only had a tenth of the courage Superman has in his little finger. I'm afraid you can't compare me to Superman. No, there's nothing I can say except... Well, I'll have to take my story to another paper. Oh, what's that? What story? My story about the invisible man. Kent? You break that story in another paper, and I'll break you. I don't see why I shouldn't break it. I solved it, didn't I? I don't care whether you... What'd you say? Okay, I solved it. I know now how the invisible man makes himself invisible. Oh, I've had enough of this nonsense from you, Kent. Get out. Wait a minute. Clark, did you mean that? Do you really know how the invisible man makes himself invisible? Well, I can do it myself. I don't believe it. Yes, and neither do I. Well, I'll have to break the story in another paper, I guess. Now, wait a minute, Kent. If you can show us how it's done, if you can really make yourself invisible, you... You can have your job back. Oh, I don't know. Oh, please, Mr. Kent, please show them. And I'll raise your salary. Well, that is an inducement. All right, it's a bet. Ridiculous. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll step outside and close the door. When I knock at the door, Jimmy, you open it and see what happens. Okay. Well, don't forget to open the door when I knock. Don't worry, I won't. I'll close the door. Don't see how I can pop He won't, Miss Lane. You can bet on that. Listen. 
Jimmy, quickly, open that door. Well, well, open it, open it. Okay, Mr. White. He's not here. Oh, of course he's not there. Just another trick. He knocked at the door and then skipped off down the corridor. You're wrong, Chief. I'm right here in this room with you. What? 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 what, You can't see me. Because, well, you see, I'm invisible. I don't understand this. Well, it looks as if Clark Kent has solved the mystery of the invisible man. Do you know how he did it? Well, then, be sure to listen in for the solution when we present our next episode with Superman. And remember, tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky, look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as mild-mannered Clark Kent, reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. As you remember... Editor White, Kent, and Lois Lane, aided by Ralph Remsen, have been conducting a campaign against District Attorney Parker in an attempt to oust him from office because of his crooked practices. They were repeatedly warned against continuing their campaign by an invisible man, strange and baffling ally of the crooked DA, who was successful in frightening the mayor into withholding his support, and, but for the miraculous intervention of Superman, would have sent White and Lois crashing to their deaths while driving to see the governor in the state capitol. As our story opens today, we find them in Editor White's office, where Kent makes an astounding announcement. Listen. I say I've solved the mystery. I know how the invisible man makes himself invisible. Yeah, I've had enough of this nonsense from you, Kent. Get out. You're fired. Wait a minute, Mr. White. Yes, Lois? Clark, did you mean what you said? Do you really know how the invisible man makes himself invisible? Well, I can do it myself. I don't believe it. You've got something there, Remsen. I don't believe it either. Kent, you'd have to be a superman to solve a mystery like this one. Well, you fired me, Mr. White, so I guess I'll have to break this story in another paper. Oh, no, Mr. Kent, please don't go. Show them you can do it. I believe you. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. Now, wait a minute, Kent. If you can show us how it's done... If you can really make yourself invisible, you you can have your job back. Oh, see, Mr. Kent, did you hear that? Oh, you'll be able to stay with us. You simply got to do it now. Oh, I don't know, Jimmy. Kent, uh, I'll do better than that. I, I'll raise your salary. Well, that is an inducement. All right, it's a bet. Ridiculous. You'll never do it. You think not, Renson? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll step outside and close the door. Now, when I knock at the door, Jimmy, you open it. And then see what happens. All right. Now, don't forget to open the door when I knock. Don't worry, I won't. Good. Now, I'll close the door. I don't see how I can possibly don't do anything. Don't worry, Miss Lane. He won't. Listen. Jimmy. Yeah? 
For heaven's sake, open that door. Well, open it. Open it. Okay, Mr. White. He's not here. Oh, of course he's not there. Just another trick. He knocked at the door and then skipped off down the corridor. You're wrong, Chief. What? I'm right here in the room with you. Why? Well, you, 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 you can't see me because, well, you see, I'm invisible. Say, what is it? I don't believe it. Superman himself couldn't do a thing like this. Kent, was that your voice I heard? Are you really in this room? I am, Chief. I'm sitting in the chair in front of your desk. But, but we can't see you, Claude. Well, it's uncanny. No, Lois. It's not uncanny. It's just a trick. A trick even I can do. It doesn't take a superman. Oh, but gosh, Mr. Kent, how could you make yourself invisible? Well, Jimmy, to tell the truth, I haven't made myself invisible. You can't see you. Well, of course you can't see me. I'm not here. Kent, before I go crazy, will you make sense? You are here. I can hear you talking to me from the chair in front of my desk. But merely because I've centered your attention on that chair. The fact is that although I am invisible, I'm not invisible. Creepers, creepers. Oh, I am going out of my mind. He's invisible, but he isn't invisible. He's here, but he isn't here. Kent, will you in the name of heaven explain what this is all about? Well, gladly, Chief. It's all very simple. So simple, in fact, that I caught on to the trick from the very first. You, you mean you've known all along how the invisible man made himself invisible? I have. But no credit to me. I've known only because some time ago I did a series of articles on oddities in the world. You remember, Chief? Why, of course I remember. Best series you ever did. But what in the world is that to do with... Uh, excuse me. Uh, yes, Remsen? I, I've got to go. I'm late for an, oper- uh, an appointment. Uh, very important. Oh, don't go, Mr. Remsen. Uh, this will only take a few minutes. Yes, yes. Sit down, Remsen. Well, Chief, as I was saying, you may recall that during that series of articles I did, I did one on the magnificent Ventrilo. Remember the celebrated ventriloquist? Sure, I remember that. Didn't he give you some lessons in ventriloquism, Mr. Kent? Yes, Jimmy. He did. What? You mean that the invisible man is... Exactly, Lois. The invisible man is nothing more than a darn good ventriloquist. I'm not so good myself. I, I wouldn't be able to fool you very long. But the invisible man is an expert. A master at it. Oh, where are you now, Kent? Now, stop throwing my voice and you'll soon see. Now, can you locate me? His voice seems to be coming from the window now. That's where it's coming from, all right. Because you see, I'm out here on the fire escape. Oh, Matthew. So all the time, it sounded like he was right here in the room with us. Hey, give me a hand in through the window, Jimmy. Okay. There. Thanks. Okay. All I did, Chief, was to knock on the door, get onto the fire escape through the window that leads off the corridor, and then throw my voice, by means of ventriloquism, into this room. Well, Kent, I've got to hand it to you. But who is the invisible man? Do you know the answer to that? Yes, Lois. I believe I do. Who? There must be someone who at all times was able to be near us. You realize, of course, he couldn't be forever ducking on a fire escape and all the rest of it. Mm, he couldn't have done it that way in the mayor's office. We found you out on the fire escape. Well, uh-huh. how you got there is really still a mystery. Well, I- I've already explained that. Then, Lois, there's the night the Invisible Man had dinner with us. Actually, he was sitting at another table in disguise and throwing his voice toward our table. Oh, I see that now. Why, why, sure. And the night the presses were almost bombed, he must have been standing near us all the time. In fact, by George, as I see it, he practically always has been with us. Exactly. So only one person can be the Invisible Man. It's certainly not you, Chief, or Lois, or me, or Jimmy. So it must be Ralph Remsen. Why, preposterous, utterly ridiculous. Better give up quietly, Remsen. If we can't make you talk, the police can. You weren't interested in helping the public. Your game was to squeeze money out of District Attorney Parker. What? 
You made a deal with Parker to protect him against the campaign you yourself had started. You figured it out very well, Kent. Superman, better be careful or you'll be running him a close second. But all your brain work will do you no good. What do you mean? This. Kent! Kent, he's got a gun. Don't. Don't point that gun at me. I'm deathly afraid of firearms. Are you? That's too bad. Put that gun down. I'll I'll faint. Look out. Kent's fainting. He's falling. What? What the devil? with his arms around my leg. Look here, you. Stand where you are, you others. Oh. Look out, you fool. You're tripping me. Look, Mr. White. Benson's falling. Right, Jimmy. Oh. Well, that's that. Nice work, Mr. White. It clipped him on the jaw just as he was falling. Yes, and I've got his gun now, too. It's a good thing you fainted, Kate. If you really did. Uh, did, did I faint? But why no, did it's I... It's all right, Ken. It's all right. Now, you three wait here till I get back. Come on, Remsen. I'm turning you over to the police right now. Go on. Get going. Well, we had some excitement there for a while, didn't we? My Lord. Why are you looking at me so funny? I sometimes wonder about you, Clark Kent. Yes, I really do. Never find you in this crowd. Mr. White come and meet you down here at the Central Railroad Station. What's it all about? Oh, it's nothing much, Lord. Metropolis National Bank is moving a cargo of five million dollars in gold from their vaults upstate to the bank here in the city. Oh, just another story, eh? Yeah, it's nothing exciting, I'm afraid. It's bringing the gold down in a specially constructed armored freight car, burglar proof, and all that. Oh, I see. Well, five million dollars is a lot of money. <laughs> They're not taking any chances. He said something about there being a special guard of five men locked inside the car. Yes, after the guard got into the train, they sealed the doors. Oh, as I say, it's nothing important. White just wanted us to be on hand to cover the story, that's all. The train's due in a few minutes. Yes, Mr. White wanted to put us on something quiet after all the excitement we've had. Mm, excitement is right. What with the invisible man and you and White nearly getting killed in that car ride at Dead Man's Curve? Yeah, we certainly did. How did you know that? Oh, everybody knows about the accident you nearly had. Yeah, but I never said it happened at Dead Man's Curve. What? I didn't even know that was the name of the place. Oh, well, uh, uh, White. White mentioned it. That, that's how I knew. Oh. Well, I'm certainly glad the case of the Invisible Man finished with. Yeah. I think both Remsen and Parker deserved what they got. Yep, five to ten years for Remsen, twenty years for Parker. The grand jury didn't waste any time about it. The grand juries never do. Hey, the police are out in force today. Yes, they're not taking any chances with that freight car and the five million dollars it's carrying. Several armored trucks drawn up the platform. Gee, there must be at least a dozen armed guards standing by. Hello, Kent. Lois. Oh, oh. story? Yeah. You coming for the gold, Joe? Yeah, it's quite a thing. Five million dollars in gold. The precautions they've taken. A special armored car designed particularly for bringing the gold here. Yeah, very exciting, I suppose. Hey, look. Here comes the train now. Yeah. Look at that line of freight cars. Yeah. Car carrying the gold is near the end of the line, I think. Fourth or fifth in the caboose. Well, we better move down to the other end, then. Yeah, you're right. See, those armed guards are starting to go down to that end themselves. Hey, something seems to be wrong. Look, they're starting to run. What on earth? Don't ask questions. Come on, I smell trouble in the story. Hey, excuse me, buddy. 
what's wrong? What's happened? Who are you? Reporters in the Daily Planet. Here's my test car. What's up? It's that freight car. One carrying a five million in gold and a crew of five guards. Yeah, yeah. What about it? Yeah, what happened? It disappeared. That's what's happened. What? It did. Vanished in the thin air. That is impossible. It was heavily guarded. It was sandwiched in among these other freight cars. Yeah. How could it possibly have disappeared? Yeah, I knew that, buddy. Oh, but you, you can't just pick up a freight car and walk off with no. it. No. Well, it looks like somebody did, lady. Cars disappeared, and so is the crew of armed guards. You can take it or leave. Clark. Yes, Lois? I did a little checking before, just to get some details for our story. And that freight car was still sandwiched in among those other cars when this train pulled out from Bolton. Yeah? Bolton's only 20 miles away, and this train never stops from there and here. Right. This thing can have happened, Clark. No one could have stolen that freight car. It's absolutely impossible. Well, it looks as if someone has found a way to make it possible, Lois. It also begins to look as if we've got another mystery to solve. Yes, one of the most baffling mysteries we've ever come across. What is the answer to this seemingly impossible mystery? How could the special armored freight car with a crew of five armed men disappear into thin air? See if you can figure it out for yourself. And be sure to listen to the next episode of our mystifying new story with Superman. And remember, tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton. Superman, champion of the weak and the oppressed, possessed of physical powers far beyond those of mortals, and who walks about among ordinary men disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. Can a freight car, sandwiched in among a hundred others, disappear into thin air on a trip between one station and another? Well, that's the problem Superman is now trying to solve. As Clark Kent, he and Lois were assigned to cover for their paper the arrival of a freight train, bringing with it a specially armored car bearing $5 million in gold, gold being moved from another city to the National Bank in Metropolis. Our friends reached the railroad terminal just as the train pulled in, and it was at that moment that... But wait, let's listen. Train for Calcutta, big India anesthesia, is always West Yogan, Boysville, leaving on track four, four... Clark, it isn't possible. It simply couldn't happen. Well, it has happened, Lois. Well, then will you please explain how? The Metropolis National Bank has a specially armor-plated freight car built. They sandwiched the car in among nearly a hundred others. There's an armed crew inside the car, and it's sealed from the outside. I know, and yet when the train arrives here in Metropolis, the special armored car is missing. Vanished completely. Along with the crew and five million dollars. Clark, it isn't possible. You did some checking up at Bolton, the last stop the train made? Yeah, I telephoned the station agent there. Wanted to get a few details on the story we're supposed to write. And he told me he checked that car through when the train made its last stop there. Well, then if we can believe his story, the freight car must have disappeared between Bolton and Metropolis. 
Come on, Lois. Where to? Have a talk with the engineer. I want to find out definitely whether or not this train stopped between here and Bolton. Yeah, I'd sort of like to know about that myself. Oh, uh, uh, excuse me. Yeah? Are you the engineer on this train? Yeah. Oh, uh, my name's Kent, reporter for the Daily Planet. Yeah? Yeah, I'd like to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind answering them. Depends. Oh, talkative, isn't he? I'm interested in trying to solve this case for my paper. It'd make a swell story. <laughs> One thing I'd like to know, did you make any stops between Bolton and here? Nope. You didn't stop even once? You didn't get a red signal at some switch-off or anything like that? Nope. Well, look, was there anything that struck you as being peculiar about it? Anything on this run that you never noticed on other trips? Nope. I see. Well, thanks a lot. Welcome. Come on, Lois. Well, he was a man of few words, Clark, but he certainly said a mouthful. Now, you'd have to be a superman to solve this case. Maybe, and maybe not. Well, we haven't got very far anyway. All we've done is verify the tra- fact that the train did not stop between here and Bolton. Well, that's a good deal. That's the one point we've got to be sure of above all others. Whether or not this train stopped. And yet, Clark, if it didn't stop, how Wait on a it? second, Lois. Here comes Inspector Neely of the police. Hello, Inspector. Hello, Kent. Miss Lane. Well, what do you make of that car vanishing so completely, Inspector? Kent, if I knew the answer to that one, I wouldn't be looking so worried. Well, there must be some explanation for yeah. it. When you find it, drop me a line. I'll see you later. He is worried, Clark. Well, five million dollars is a lot of money. Well, where to now? Lois, I want to talk to the boys in the caboose. The brakemen. Say, that's an idea. They ought to know something about this. Well, let's hope they do. Uh, just come. Hey, I've been laughing that guy and that dame. Uh-huh. I found out they're reporters from the Daily Planet. Uh-huh. Uh, what about them, Crum? Uh, seems to me they're nosing around a little too much, asking too many questions. I'd better get in touch with the boss. Uh, what for? Well, the boss never lets things get out of hand, nips them right in the bud. Oh, yeah. yeah. Instead of waiting until these two really do find out something about the missing freight car... I think he'll want them put out of the way. Oh. Now, you wait here, Lizzie, and keep an eye on him. Okay. I'm going to telephone the boss. Well, that brakeman didn't have much to tell us either. No, doggone it. We got no more out of him than we did out of the engineer. I think what we'd better do now is have a talk with the conductor. No, wait, Clark. See, I don't see where we're going to get... Clark. Now, where has he got to... I've never seen a man who could lose himself as quickly and easily as Clark Kent. He'd lose his head if it weren't tied on. Bolton Station speaking. Yeah, the 432 just went through. Okay. Yes, gentlemen, what can I do for you? I want to talk with you, pal. Yeah, I want to talk with you. What about? I want to talk to you about that freight car that disappeared, pal. Yeah, about the freight car that disappeared. I don't know anything about that. Not a thing. I saw the gold car go through with the freight train, and that's all I know about it. You got it wrong, pal. Yeah, you got it wrong. That gold car wasn't with the freight train. That car had disappeared before the train got here. Oh, no, no. That isn't so. You see, I checked that car through personally. Listen, anybody asks you, like the police... 
You tell them the car wasn't there. No, I can't say that. That ain't so. If they ask me, I've got to tell the truth. I don't like to talk too much, pal. You do like I tell you, or won't you? I can't say that car wasn't there when it was. I can't tell the police... That... Oh, How can you say it? Oh, uh, no, sir. I ain't going to tell a lie no matter what oh, you... Yeah. Oh, oh, don't. Let me have a crack at it, Joe. Keep your hands on oh, that man. Huh? Hey, look, Bill. A masquerade costume. Yeah, costume. What have you been doing to this man? Scram, Charlie, you'll get hurt. I wouldn't try any rough stuff, boys. Okay, you're asking for it. Let him have it, Bill. With the greatest of pleasure. Oh, 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 you let the bill right off the floor. Yes, and now the same goes for you, pal. Stay away from me. I got a gun. Stand back. Stand back or I'll shoot. Try it, pal. Hold down, Blanchard. I can't understand it. Now it's my turn. Here, now. Oh, put me down. Put me down. Now, let me see. Shall it be through the door or the window? No, please. The window will do, I think. Oh, you can take your friend with you. Now, ah. ah, that's that. And now, my friend... Who, who, who are you? Don't worry, I won't harm you. What do those men want of you? That freight car, the yes. one that disappeared. Yes? They wanted me to swear it had disappeared before it reached here. Uh, and it hadn't? No, sir. That car was okay when it reached here. I, I checked it through myself. You did, eh? Well, that's all I came here to find out. Thank you and goodbye. Huh? Well, I'm sure now that that freight train made no stops between here and Metropolis. And I'm also sure that the special gold car disappeared between those two places. That covers a lot of trackage. So there's only one thing to do. Up! Up! And away! these tracks between Bolton and Metropolis three times and not a single clue. The most baffling mystery I've ever come across. Almost as though some giant hand had reached down and picked up that missing car. Not one single clue. Wait a minute. What's that? Down. Oh, a stone from someone's ring, eh? An emerald. Funny. Unless someone dropped it from a passing train. A large emerald. And an expensive one, too. I'll have to try to find the owner. But that'll have to wait. Now, up in the air again. Up! Up! And away! Miss Bates. Oh, oh hello, Crumb. Uh, did you telephone the boy? Yeah. He says to get rid of the reporter and his girl. See, Crumb, I don't know. I don't see why we have to kill somebody just because they're asking questions. Well, the boss thinks people who ask questions now may find out some embarrassing answers later on. Oh. He believes in getting rid of them quick. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I just see the girl. Where's the guy? Oh, I lost him in the crowd, Crumb. We can pick him up later. Uh, what's you going to do with the girl? Yeah. Well, I figured that out about way over here. Yeah. Now, listen. The 941 is due in on track six in just a few minutes. Uh-huh. I'll manage to get the girl over to the platform of track six. We'll stand there talking. You come up behind us, and just as your 941 comes in, you shove her in front of it. Get me? Yes, I get you. When the 941 comes in, I shove her in front of it. Yeah. 
Excuse me, miss. Yes? Uh, you're a reporter for the Daily Planet, ain't you? Yeah, that's right. Well, I got a story for you about this missing freight train, if you care to hear it. I certainly would. Well, uh, would you mind coming over to Platform 6 with me? I'll tell you there. Okay. Hey, wait a minute. Why do we have to go over to Platform 6? Well, you see, I promised to meet a friend who's coming in on the 941. I don't want to miss him. So, if you don't mind... Well, if I want that story, I guess I have any choice in the matter. Okay, then. Just let's move over to Platform 6. I'll tell you all about it. The 941 arriving on track 6. 941 on track 6. 941 arriving on track 6. Lois Lane is in grave danger. How will Superman save her? By the way, have you solved the mystery of how the freight car vanished into thin air? Then be sure to hear the next thrilling episode of our story with Superman. And remember, tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Now, Superman, champion of the weak and the oppressed, who came to Earth from the planet Krypton, possessed of physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for the Daily Planet, a great metropolitan newspaper. As you remember, Kent and Lois Lane were faced with solving the baffling mystery of the disappearance of a special armored freight car, bearing $5 million in gold to the Metropolis Bank. Kent, as Superman flew along the route traveled by the freight car, but found no clues. Nothing but a large emerald that had apparently fallen out of someone's ring. Meanwhile, danger threatens Lois at the railroad terminal in Metropolis. As our story opens today, 
two tough characters who had been watching her as she questioned various railroad employees are plotting serious harm. Listen. Oh, there you are, Crumb. Did you telephone the boss? Yeah, he says to get rid of those two reporters who've been asking questions of everybody. Gee, Crumb, I don't know. I don't see why we have to kill anybody just because they're asking questions. Well, the boss thinks people who ask too many questions now may find out some embarrassing answers later on. Oh. He believes in getting rid of them right away. Uh-huh. Hey. Yes? I just see the girl. What happened to the fellow who was with us? I left him in the crowd, Crumb. We can pick him up later. Uh, what's she going to do with the girl? Well, I figured that out on my way over here. Yeah. Now, this is what we'll do. The 941 is due in on track six in just a few minutes. Uh-huh. Now, I'll manage to get the girl over to the platform at track six. We'll stand there talking. <laughs> you come up behind her. And just as the 941 comes in, you shove her in front of it. Get me? Yes. Yeah, I get you. When the 941 comes in, I shove her in front of it. Yeah. You'd better tell me all you do know, miss. Then maybe I can tell you a few things you don't know. Well, I know that a freight car, specially armored and carrying five guards, vanished mysteriously on the way here from Bolton. Yeah, I know that. The car was carrying $5 million in gold from the Metropolis National Bank. Uh-huh. Now, although that freight car was still attached to the train at Bolton, when the train arrived here this morning, the car had completely disappeared. Uh-huh. What amazes me is... Oh, here comes the 941 now. Hey, don't you think we're standing a little too close to the edge of the platform? We'd better step back. Oh, no, no, I don't think we're too close. Well, I think we'd better step back anyway. It always frightens me a little to be too close. As the 941 puffs its way into the station on track six, the man called Listy edges closer and closer to Lois, waiting for the right moment to push her in front of the oncoming locomotive. Meanwhile, Clark Kent, returned from Bolton, enters the terminal and begins to look for Lois. Still be here in the station because I haven't been gone long. Uh, oh, there she is at the other end of this platform talking to some man. I'd better go down and... Wait. That man coming up behind her. Something funny about him. I wonder... Oh, he's pushed around the track in front of this train. This is a job for Superman. I'll grab the last car and hold the train back. Here now. There, that does it. The platform hides me completely. With my feet dug into the railroad ties... I can hold this train back as long as necessary. Ah. Ah. The engineer has applied the brake. My work is done. You're all right? You just bruised a little. Anybody get the guy who put you? Oh, it happened so quickly, no one had a chance to grab him. He got away in the crowd. Well, I'll say one thing. She's lucky to be alive. Uh, the engineer brought that train to a stop so quickly is beyond me. Yes, sir. It was all... And so, once again, unknown to Lois Lane, Clark Kent, as Superman, is the instrument of saving her from death. Later in the day, when Lois has recovered from the shock of her experience, she and Kent are sent by Editor White to the Metropolis National Bank, there to cover the story of a meeting between Inspector Neely of the police and Reginald Van Doren, president of the bank. Listen. You make yourself comfortable. Uh, Mr. Kent, you may sit here. Miss Lane over there. Inspector over here. Thank you. Inspector, you can well realize this has been the most harrowing day of my life. 
that freight car is not found and the $5 million recovered, this bank may have to close its doors. Well, the bank has reserves, hasn't it, Mr. Van Doren? Oh, yes, Mr. Kent. We have another $2 million. Last resort, I may have to have that brought on here to cover my deposit. Uh, Mr. Van Doren, would you mind giving me all the details as to that gold shipment, the number of gold bricks, the numbers on them, and all the rest of it? Glad to, Inspector. My secretary, Mr. Fortune, has those figures. Fine. Yes, Mr. Van Doren. Uh, Fortune, bring in the figures on the gold shipment, please. Certainly, sir. My, that's an odd name, Mr. Fortune. Quite appropriate for the secretary of the banker. Yes, sir. Fortune's been with me many years. Invaluable man. As a matter of fact, I presented him not long ago with a, well, a sort of token of the bank's esteem and gratitude for his years of service. Oh, did you? Yes, a rather unusual ring containing one of the largest emeralds I've ever seen. A large emerald? Yes. You seem interested, Mr. Kent. I'll ask Fortune to show it to you. Here he is now. The figures you wanted, Mr. Vendon. Thank you. Oh, uh, Fortune, I see you're not wearing your ring. Uh, one the bank gave you some time ago. No, sir, I... Uh... Mr. Kent here wanted to see it. He's interested in precious stones. Do you have it with you? Uh, no, sir, I, I have You usually wear it all the time. What is... Mr. Vendon, I was hoping I wouldn't have to tell you. The truth is, sir, I've lost the emerald. You... What? Yes, sir. Must have worked loose in the ring and fallen out. And I'm going to put an ad in the paper, sir. I don't think that would be necessary, Mr. Fortune. What does it? This must be the emerald you lost. What? Where did you get that beautiful emerald? I, I, uh, I picked it up at the uh, uh, railroad terminal this morning. You must have been down at the terminal, Fortune. Uh, yes, yes, I was. Are you sure of that, Fortune? I thought you told me you'd spent the morning here at the office. Well, I, I did, except for a short time. I went down to see the shipment come in. Mr. Kent, I don't know how to thank you. Oh, glad to be able to return it to you. You, you're sure you found it at the terminal, Mr. Kent? Could you have lost it anywhere else? Why, no, I don't think it. You asked that question in a sort of peculiar way, Mr. Kent. Not at all, Mr. Fortune. I just thought I'd ask. You see, it's a reporter's job to ask questions. And funny thing, he usually gets the right answer. Yes, who is it? It's me, Lister Fortune. Oh. I've got to talk to the boss right away. Okay, come in. I'll take you right up. What's wrong? I think someone's on to me. A reporter named Clark Kent. Kent? That guy again? You know him? Yeah. Me and Crum is down at the terminal this morning. We decide Kent and the dame that's with him are asking too many questions. So we make up our minds to bump them off. Well... Well, we pushed the dame in front of a train. And all of a sudden, the whole train stopped like, like somebody was holding it back. It was amazing. The engineer must have applied his brakes hard. What about the man Kent? Well, that's funny, Fortune. He never even showed up. Well, come on, let's go in. I'll signal the boss if you want to talk to him. Yes? Uh, Fortune is here, boss. He wants to talk to you. Ah, uh, Fortune, I'm glad you've come. I wanted to compliment you on today's work. Had it not been for the information with which you supplied us, we could never have succeeded today in making that freight car vanish. I still don't know how you do it, but that isn't what I've come to talk about. Oh? You remember that emerald ring of mine? Very well. Well, I lost the emerald out of it. I had a feeling I lost it the other day when I was doing that job you wanted done out along the railroad track. Between here and Bolton, yes. Well, a certain reporter named Clark Kent produced the emerald today in Van Doren's office. He said he found it in the railroad terminal. But I know he didn't because I haven't been near the terminal. And using Kent's suspension, eh? Yeah. Very well. We must rid ourselves of Mr. Kent. Watch him and the girl closely. The moment you find them in a place where they intend to remain for 
Let us say half an hour or more. Let me know immediately. I shall see that they are taken care of. Okay, boss. Listen, I've trailed Kent and Lois Lane to Sorrento's restaurant. I'm calling from it now. They're going to have dinner here, and it looks as if they'll be here for at least an hour. Good work, Fortune. I'll take care of everything from here on. What are you going to do? Ten seconds, Fortune. Ten seconds after those two leave the restaurant, our troubles will be over. But what are you going to do then? Nothing. Ten seconds, you say. Ten seconds after they leave the restaurant. And I'll just hang around and see what happens. Frankly, Clark, I don't see why you can't leave this entire mystery to the police. You're not a detective, you know. Well, you don't have to keep throwing it up to me, Lois. No harm trying to solve the darn thing. Are you finished? Mm-hmm. Well, then what do you say to taking in a movie, huh? Oh, that's a swell idea. Take your minds off disappearing freight cars and such anyway. <laughs> okay, then let's go. I'll pay the check and be right with you. Waiter! They're leaving now. Ten seconds after they step through that door to the street, it'll be all over. Ten seconds and Mr. Kent will never bother us again. Well, you all set, Lois? Hey, wait a minute. Quite a gale blowing outside. I'd better wear this fur piece instead of carrying it. All right. Hey, let me help you. There. Thank you. All right, let's go. Taxi, sir. Taxi. No, no thanks. We'll walk. Ten seconds. Yes, ten seconds, the boss says. Ten seconds after Lois and Clark reach the street. What has the boss in store for our friends? What will happen within the next ten seconds? And by the way, have you solved the mystery of the vanished freight car? Then be sure to hear the next episode of our story with Superman. And remember, tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky, look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! The Loot Crate video box! What's with kids today, huh? Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash Loot Crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash Loot Crate. Great Scott! Snap into a Loot Crate, dig it! 
you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth possessed of physical powers far beyond those of ordinary humans, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and oppression, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. As you remember, Lois Lane and Kent, assigned to cover the arrival of a specially built armored car bearing $5 million in gold, ran into a baffling mystery when it was discovered that the car had disappeared, apparently vanished into thin air before it reached Metropolis. When Kent, playing a hunch, discovered that a bank employee had engineered the scheme with a character known only as the boss, a plot was laid to get rid of Clark and Lois. The boss arranged for something to happen to the two reporters within ten seconds after they left the restaurant in which he learned they were eating. As we join them now, Kent and Lois, unaware of the danger that threatens them, are about to walk out of the restaurant. And remember, whatever is to happen to them will happen in ten seconds. Ten seconds from now. Listen. It'd be good to walk on a brisk night like this. Yeah. You know, Clark, the more I think about that freight car vanishing along with five million dollars in gold, well, the more confused I become. Confused is hardly the word. How a specially armored car with a crew of men inside it could possibly disappear without a trace? Look out! That car going! Quick, look out! Oh, 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 oh. You all right, Lois? Oh, thank goodness, Clark. You pulled me out of the way just in time. Oh, another second, it would have been curtains. Oh, yeah. All right, get back, get back. What's happened here? Uh, this truck crashed in off the street, officer. It almost killed this young lady and myself. Oh, it did, eh? Ruined the front of this restaurant, too. Hey, you! You're the driver of this truck? Yeah, that's right, officer. Let me explain all this if you just give me a chance. Go ahead, I'm waiting. Well, I I, I think the steering chance broke. Oh. I turned the wheel to go around this corner and nothing happened. Next thing I know, I was heading out of the sidewalk, and there was nothing I could do. I stopped you from putting on your brakes. Well, I, I suppose I could have done that, but I was so excited, I, I guess I just didn't think. I'll say you didn't. Clark, where are you going? I'll be back in a minute. Honest, oh, officer, it wasn't my fault. Oh, no. My company will pay for the glass window I placed into. Uh, let me see your license. And your registration while you're about it. Oh, sure. Sure, here you are. Uh, now, let's see. Michael, do you... Hey! Hey, you! What are you doing up in the seat of that truck? I, I just wanted to see what really had gone on with the truck, officer. Well, the law will take care of that. Now get down out of there. Come on, get down. Okay, okay. There now. Well, let's have a look at this license again. Well, officer, honestly, you can't blame me. I couldn't do it. Maybe not, and then again, maybe you could. Anyways, I'll have to give you a summons. You can explain it all to the judge in the morning. Now, come on. Come on, Lois. Let's get out of here. I don't want to be held as a witness. Gracious, Clark. You're stronger than I thought you were. Huh? And you pulled me out of the way of that truck. Your grip felt like steel. Oh, you just imagine that in the excitement of the moment. I guess you're right. Heavens, we're lucky to come out of this accident alive. That was no accident, Lois. What? I got up into the seat of that truck to find out whether or not that steering gear actually was broken. It wasn't. You mean the steering gear was all right? Of course it was. I've never yet heard of the steering gear of a truck breaking without being subjected to some unusual strain. They don't make them that way. Then that was an attempt on our lives. Exactly. 
Now I know why our friend Fortune, Secretary to Van Doren of the Metropolis National Bank, was following us tonight. Fortune was following us? Yes, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to upset you. Fortune must have been keeping an eye on us, Lois. The minute we entered Sorrento's restaurant, he relayed word of our presence there to someone else. Yes, but who? Well, that I can't tell, yes. When we do find out who it was, we'll have the solution to this whole mystery. But, Clark, why didn't you tell that cop back there that the steering wheel was all right? Why didn't you have the truck driver arrested? Oh, it wouldn't have done any good. The truck driver is merely a tool, and I don't think he'd talk. Now, Fortune... What about Fortune? Well, Fortune is our answer to this entire problem, Lois. I think you'll agree that he must be mixed up in this mess somewhere. There's no doubt of it. All right, then. The thing to do is get hold of Fortune and force him to talk. He can lead us to the real head, the real brain behind this mystery. Well, I'll bet anything that once we get Fortune to talk, we'll find the answers to how that freight car disappeared, where it disappeared, and where the $5 million is now located. Sounds reasonable enough. Now, how do we get hold of Fortune? Well, only through the bank, I'm afraid. And that's closed now. Well, have to wait till tomorrow morning. And then what? Then we'll pay a call on Mr. Van Doren, president of the bank, explain to him our suspicions about Fortune, and then put Fortune on the pan. And you think you can make Mr. Fortune talk? No, but I imagine Mr. Van Doren can. I knew it couldn't be true. True? What are you talking about, Lois? I thought for a moment you were beginning to develop some backbone. Sorry, my mistake. A few hours later, from the hideout of the boss, matters begin to take another turn. Listen. Uh, this is Leslie, boss. Can you hear me? Yes, Leslie. Did you get the truck driver? Yes, I got him all right. The boys have him outside. Tell them to bring him in. Okay. Bring him in, boys. Okay. Honest. Honest, it wasn't my fault. I did my best, but that guy Clark Kent told me. Come Shut up. Me. Shut up. All right, boss. You. You who drove the truck. Your name is Michael, is it not? Well, that's right, boss. Honest, it wasn't my fault, boss. Let's be here. Tell me exactly what you want to do tonight. Please. You uh, must forgive me, Michael, but I am not interested in excuses. The men who work for me must be thoroughly efficient. When I give an order, I must be able to feel that that order will be carried out to the letter. I uh, can no longer depend on you, Michael, and so we uh, must leave our happy little family. You fire me? Yes, Michael, you're fired. I know what that means. It don't just mean I can walk through that door and then I'm through it. It means when I leave here, your men will follow me. This being a crumb in them other guys, and when I get far enough away from here, they'll... Ah, oh. the man babbles. Take him away. You can't do this to me, do you hear? It ain't gonna happen to me what happened to them other guys, you fired. Come on, pal. Hey, find those guys on the bullets through there. It's all right, boss. The boys will take care of them. Good. Mister, the failure of that truck driver to complete his job puts us in a far more difficult spot than we were in before. Hmm? Clark Kent may have had suspicions before, but he'll be sure now. Kent now knows definitely that Fortune is implicated in the vanishing of that freight train. Well, then it looks like we've got to get rid of Kent and do a good job this time. No, that isn't quite necessary. Well, well, what do you mean, boss? If we don't get rid of Kent, he's liable to make trouble. Possibly. However, there's one other way of accomplishing our design, and it's this. Suppose instead of getting rid of Van Doren will see you in a moment. Oh, thank you, sir. Well, the more I think of it, the more I wonder if you're doing the right thing. What do you mean, Lois? Well, I'm beginning to wonder if you're right about Mr. Fortune. Somehow, he doesn't seem like the sort of person who... Lois, 
I don't suspect Fortune only because I know he was following us last night. There's that business of the emerald I found, the emerald he dropped from his ring. Well, what's wrong with that? One's likely to lose a stone out of the ring, and there's nothing unusual in your picking it up in the railroad terminal. Well, where did you pick it up in the terminal? Why, I, uh... Better come clean, Mr. Kent. Where did you find that emerald? Well, to be frank about it, Lois, I found it lying near the railroad tracks between here and Bolton, about five miles out of town. Five miles out of town? Uh-huh. What were you doing out there, and how'd you get out there? Uh, I, I borrowed a hand car. You know, one of those cars workmen used to inspect the tracks? You sure of that? Of course I'm sure. Why? I don't know. I think I get a funny feeling that... Well, well, it's not telling me everything. Well, never mind. Why didn't you say you found the emerald on the track five miles out of town? I didn't want to arouse fortune suspicions. It looks as if I did. Uh, will you come in, please, now? Oh, thank you. Lois? Thank you, Lois. Come in, Miss Langham, Mr. Kent. Good morning. Sit down, would you? Thanks. I suppose you're interested in finding out for your paper whether or not we've made any progress in locating the missing place there. Progress has been made, Mr. Van Doren. Or at least we think it has. Really? Mr. Van Doren, we're inclined to think your secretary, Mr. Fortune, has had something to do with the disappearance of that freight car. My secretary, Mr. Fortune? Are you out of your mind, young man? I don't think so, sir. Do you remember that emerald I returned to Mr. Fortune yesterday? Of course I remember. Well, I didn't find that emerald in the railroad terminal, as I said. I really found it on the tracks between here and Bolton. Oh, what of it? Wait a minute. I think I begin to see what you're driving at. Another thing. Mr. Fortune followed Miss Lane and me to a restaurant last night. When we left the restaurant, we narrowly escaped being killed by a truck. It wasn't an accident. We're sure it was an attempt on our lives. Well, by all the... Young man, you may be right. It certainly appears that Fortune had some knowledge of what's been going on. In any case, we'll question him. He's in the next office. I'll get him. George, I'd known about this before. Uh, uh, Fortune, come out here at once, please. Fortune. Anything wrong, sir? Possible. No, he was in this office. I saw him come in, but he's certainly not here now. Maybe he stepped out for a minute. He couldn't have stepped out without my seeing. The only door to this room leads into my office. The window. The only way he'd get out is by going through my office. Are you sure? Well, look at the office yourself. Mr. Van Doren's right, car. Fortune's office doesn't have a window, and there's no way out except through Mr. Van Doren's own office. But if he didn't come through your office, and he couldn't get out any other way... Don't tell me he's vanished like a freight car. We will need a superman to solve this thing now. That's what I was thinking. This is... Oh, it's fantastic. First, my freight car carrying $5 million in gold vanishes into thin air, and now my secretary does the same thing. Oh, you must be mistaken, Mr. Van Doren. Fortune couldn't have... I tell you he was there. He couldn't have left without my seeing him. Did you leave your office any time? I haven't left this office once. Well, then I certainly don't see... Well, who? Oh, it's you, Miss Bailey. Well, what do you want? Bailey, what's happened? Why do you look at me so... so strange? Happy somebody, she's gonna faint. Oh, oh, I got her. She's fainted all right. Well, things certainly are beginning to happen around here. Yes, they certainly are. What is the solution to the strange disappearance of Mr. Fortune? How could he possibly have gotten out of that room without Van Doren seeing him? And what about the vanished freight car? Have you solved that mystery? And say, what could have happened to make Miss Bailey faint just as she reached Van Doren's office? Be sure to listen to the next episode of the Thrill Pack Story with Superman. And remember, tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman! Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman!
Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, has become involved in a thrilling and baffling mystery, which threatens to put even his courage and intelligence to their greatest test. A cargo of $5 million in gold was being brought to the Metropolis National Bank in a specially armored freight car. The gold car itself was one of a line of about a hundred other freight cars. When the train arrived in the Metropolis Railroad Terminal, the car carrying the gold had completely vanished, yet the train had made no stops anywhere along the line. Clark Kent and Lois Lane, working on the mystery for their newspaper, The Daily Planet, decided that a certain Mr. Fortune, secretary to the president of the Metropolis National Bank, was the real culprit. When we last saw them, Kent and Lois had gone to see Mr. Van Doren, president of the bank, and told him their suspicions. The president stepped into Mr. Fortune's office to talk to him, and a strange thing happened. Just bring Fortune in here and talk to him. If he knows anything about how that freight car vanished and where the five million in gold went to, we'll soon know about it. Uh, Mr. Fortune, you come here, please? Fortune? Anything wrong, Mr. Van Doren? Oh, it, it couldn't happen. What didn't happen, Mr. Van Doren? Mr. Fortune's not here, Miss Lane. He's not in his office. Oh, maybe he stepped out for a minute. He couldn't have done that without my seeing him. Why, I can't follow you, Mr. Van Doren. Well, there's only one way to get into or get out of Mr. Fortune's office, and that's through my own office. Here, here, have a look for yourself. Hmm, seems to be about right. Fortune's office has no window and no other door. To come in or go out, he would have to come through your office here. Mr. Candy's not here, and I saw him come in ten minutes ago. You actually saw Fortune come through your office and go into his own ten minutes ago? That's right. He said good morning to me as he went in. And you're sure you didn't see him come out? Positive, Miss Lane. I haven't left my own office in the past half hour. Fortune could not have gotten out of this office without my seeing him. Well, if he couldn't get out, he must still be here. Let's have a look in that closet. I'm trying to think that's where we'll find him. Well, Mr. Kent, what on earth could he be doing in that closet? Well, I can't answer that, but he must be in that closet. There's no other place he could hide. Well, must be right, of course. Stand back. I'll open the door. Hey, uh... I don't think I want to look. Well, we'll soon know. <coughs> Here, there's nothing inside this box. This whole thing is getting beyond me. First, a freight car carrying $5 million in gold disappears as completely as if, well, as if Superman himself had reached down and picked it up. Now your secretary, Mr. Fortune, vanishes just as completely. Oh, I refuse to believe it. It simply couldn't happen. There's certainly no explanation for it. Clark, why are you rapping on those balls? I just had a feeling that... Maybe there might be a secret panel somewhere, but there isn't. These walls are solid. It's beyond me. Uh, oh, Miss Bailey, what is it, you? Miss Bailey, what happened? What's wrong? Quick, come and get it. She's going to faint. Oh, I got her. I got her life. Well, things certainly are beginning to happen around here. What in the world? I know I would you bring that water jug on your desk, please. Oh, yes, yes, sir. Oh, you must have upset her pretty badly. Who is she, Mr. Van Doren? She's the detective. She's in the outer office.
Easy does it now, easy. You're all right now, Miss Bailey. Who are you? What's happening? Well, you came into the office here, Miss Bailey, and looked at us all very clearly, and then he just fainted dead away. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Oh, Mr. Van Dorn, he, he's out there. Who's out there? Mr. Fortune. Here. Fortune? Fortune's outside there? Jim, come on. Right with you. This is Miss Bailey's little office here. And the door leading to the lobby outside is slightly ajar. Let's have a look. Jim, look. There on the floor. Fortune, all right. Yep. He caved in just as he reached the door. Miss Bailey heard him fall, opened the door, and here he was. Hmm. Yeah, no doubt of it. He's dead, all right. How on earth did he get out here? Something wrong about all this. Just doesn't make sense. Are you sure? Who's he... going to ask me again if I'm certain he came through my office this morning to get to his own? I tell you, he did. I'm sorry you've got to take my word for it, but you must believe me. Let's, let's, let's try to get this straight. Mr. Fortune comes through your office about 20 minutes ago and goes into his own. Now, the only way of getting to his office is through yours. And that's the only way he can get out again. Right. You saw that for yourself. You were in your office all the time, and you didn't see him come out again. He didn't come out, I swear to that. Well, then how did he get out here? And how was he murdered? If we can answer those questions, Kent, we have the solution to this whole case. There's only one thing to do. Huh? What's that? I'm going to call police headquarters and have Inspector Neely come over here at once. If anyone can find an answer to this little piece. All right, now let me get a full-length shot of him. Okay. Now, will you photographers quiet down for just a minute? Now, uh, when did you people discover the body of Mr. Fortune? About ten minutes ago, Inspector Neely. Couldn't have been more than that. Well, we'll soon get to the bottom of this. Mr. Van Doren, I'd ask you to close the bank for the rest of the day. Lock all the doors and keep your employees here. We'll want a question. Uh, Miss Bailey, will you go out and... Uh, 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 just a minute, please. I want Miss Bailey to remain here. Oh, Inspector, please. I don't want to get mixed up in any murder. All I we'll know is... We'll find out all you know in a little while, Miss Bailey. Meantime, don't worry. It's our job to help you, not to harm. I'll telephone outside and have the bank closed. Uh, uh, Inspector, do you mind if Miss Lane and I telephone the Daily Planet? Yeah, we'll, we can uh... get an exclusive on this story. Well, that'll be all right, I guess. Good. Hello, what do you call it? It's a white. Right, Clark. Miss Bailey, is there a phone after you? Uh, yes, there's one. Uh, now, Kent, let's see what the medical has to say. All right. Doc? What about our friend Fortune? Well, died instantly, Inspector. Single knife wound to the heart. Yes. Can't tell much more than that without an autopsy. Mm. How long has he been dead? Hard to say. Mega Mortis hasn't started to set in at all. An hour, maybe. Maybe a little longer. Well, according to the story I get, he must have died during the last 40 minutes. Did that check? Well, it checks all right. Good. Uh, you boys finished taking your newest pictures? Just gotta get one more picture, Inspector. Oh, Okay, you can have them. All right, you men remove the body. I want these officers clear. Logan, Fitz, you go on down to the bank and check the stories of every employee down there. Let you men clear out. Don't want anyone in here now but Mr. Van Doren and uh, Mr. Kent and Miss Lane and Miss Bailey and myself. All right, boys, let's go. All right, go ahead. Quite the story, Clark. You've got an exclusive on. Oh, great. Well, Inspector. Uh, Kent, we're going to get to the bottom of all this right now. I want you people to show me exactly what happened when you found Fortune's body. Uh, Mr. Van Doren? Well, Kent and Miss Lane came to me about an hour ago and said they suspected Mr. Fortune had something to do with the disappearance of the freight car. Mm, you mean the freight car carrying the five million dollars in gold to your bank here? Yes. And, uh, by the way, have you uncovered anything on that yet? Well, give us time, Van Doren. Give us time. Uh, I'm afraid you'll have to be Superman to solve this case. Uh, 
If Lane of Superman really existed, I'd call him in on this case without a minute's hesitation. Well, uh, go ahead, Van Doren. Well, I went into Fortune's office, and Fortune wasn't there. Yes? The peculiar part of that was that Fortune could not have gotten out of this office without passing through mine. And I never saw him come out. You never... Let's see, go on. Then suddenly, Miss Bailey came in, stared at us in a strange way, and then fainted. Ah, now, why did you faint, Miss Bailey? Well, I'd been sitting at my desk in the outer office when I heard a knock at the door. Really? I said, come in, but nothing happened. And I went to the door and opened it, and there was Mr. Porter lying on the floor, dead. And uh, then you came in here to tell Mr. Van Doren and, and then fainted. Yes, that's right. Well, then what happened? Uh, show me now exactly what you did. Uh, Mr. Oh, Kent. Uh, we, we brought Miss Bailey to, and she told us about Fortune. Mr. Van Dorn and I went into the outer office. Well, all right. Let's go. Uh, just a minute, Miss Lane. Did you come to... No, no. I stayed here in this office with Miss Bailey. Then you and Miss Bailey remain here now. Yes, sir. I want to get a picture of exactly how everything happened. Now, Kent, let's go into the next office. All right. Mr. Van Dorn and I walked into the outer office. Yes. Miss Bailey's office, that is. Oh. And when we got here... He looked around. And then Kent noticed that the door was ajar. Yes. You mean the, the door leading to the lobby? That's right. So we opened the door, and they, Mr. Fortune, lay at our feet. I see. In other words, this whole mystery seems to hinge on whether or not we can be sure that you did not see Fortune leave his office, Mr. Vendor. I give you my word, I did not see him go out. Oh. I couldn't have missed him if he had. Mm-hmm. There was only one way he could get to his office. We come through this office here, Miss Bailey's, through your office, then into his own. That's right, Inspector. Well, then to get out, he'd have to reverse that procedure. I think we can check your story, Van Doren, by talking to Miss Bailey. If she didn't see him come out, then we'll know for sure that he must have gotten out some other way. But <laughs> there is no other way, Inspector. Oh, we'll, we'll worry about that when we come to it. Let's go back into your office, Van Doren, and, and check Miss Bailey's story. Very well. I assure you, Inspector, I was in my office every minute of the time, and I had to see Mr. Fortune if he... Oh, Miss Bailey, the Inspector would like... Where are they? Right, uh, look in Fortune's office. Okay. Uh, well? Oh, they're not in here. Oh, Miss Bailey, where are you? Oh, but look here, they, they, they couldn't have left here. The three of us were in the outer office all the time. There's no other way of getting out. How about the window? It's a four-story drop, Kent. What? And there's no fire escape. What? Do you mean to say Lois and Miss Bailey have disappeared, too? Now, look here, you men. This is... Fantastic. Maybe it is. But the fact remains they're not here. They've vanished. Just the way Mr. Fortune did. Just the way that freight car did. If you can figure this one out, Inspector, then I'll... Well, by jingo, I'll start believing in super. What is the solution to this strange riddle? Could Lois Lane and Miss Bailey have vanished into thin air just as Mr. Fortune did? Will they reappear as Mr. Fortune did? And what can Superman do to find the missing girls? Be sure to listen to the next thrilling episode of our story with Superman! And remember, tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. 
You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. Mystery and adventure fill the life of Superman these days, for he is now involved in one of the most baffling riddles of his career. In our last episode, we heard how he and Lois went to see Van Doren, president of the Metropolis National Bank and told him they believed his secretary, Mr. Fortune, was responsible for the vanishing of a special freight car carrying $5 million of the bank's money. Van Doren went into Mr. Fortune's office and found that the secretary had disappeared also. Then, the oddest thing of all, Mr. Fortune's body was found outside the office of Miss Bailey, Van Doren's receptionist. But the mystery had only begun. Inspector Neely was called, and as he was investigating the case, a very strange thing happened. Uh, this whole mystery, Mr. Van Doren, seems to hinge on whether or not we can be sure you did not see Mr. Fortune leave his office. I did not see him go out. I couldn't have missed seeing him if he had, Inspector Neal. Well, we can check your story, Van Doren, by talking to Miss Bailey. To get out, he'd have to come through her office here. If she didn't see him come out, uh, then we'll know for sure that he must have got out some other way. But there is no other way, Inspector. Well, we'll worry about that when we come to it. Uh, let's go back into your office, Van Doren, and check Miss Bailey's story. Very well. I assure you, Inspector, I was in my office every minute of the time, and I'd have seen Mr. Fortune if he... Oh, uh, Miss Bailey, the Inspector would like... Where are they? Uh, look in Fortune's office. Okay. No, they're not in here. Lord, Miss Bailey, where are you? They couldn't have left here. The three of us were in the outer office all the time. There's no other way of getting out. How about the windows? It's a four-story drop, Kent, mm-hmm. and there's no fire escape. What? Do you mean to say Lois and Miss Bailey have disappeared, too? Right. Well, maybe it is. But the fact remains, they're not here. They vanished just the way Mr. Fortune did. Just the way that freight car did. Now, if you can figure this one out, Inspector, then I'll... Well, by Jingle, I'll start believing in Superman. I'm beginning to think this may be a job for Superman. Oh, stop talking nonsense, Kent, and let's try to figure this thing out. I'm beginning to think I'm going crazy. What, with freight cars and people vanishing all over the place? Well, whoever's behind all this, we can be pretty sure he's a mastermind. Mm. Uh, let's have a look at those windows, Ben Doran. All right. Well, no fire escape, just as you say. They certainly couldn't have dropped four stories to the yard below. Kent, do you suppose... Kent? Now he's not here. Yet he was standing behind us only 30 seconds ago. I'm going crazy, there's no doubt of it. Now I'm going to start waving mad. Now take it easy, Van Doren. Those three people must be around here somewhere. Lois Lane, Miss Bailey, and Kent. Kent, I imagine, just to stop for a minute. Let's go and see. Kent! Why, Kent? Inspector Neely said Lois and Miss Bailey couldn't have fallen four stories to the street below. And then if they're not in the office, there's only one place they could have gone. And that's up one story to the roof above. I'll just go up these steps leading to the roof and have a look around. No, it doesn't sink. Wait. Three men out there on the roof. And Miss Bailey. They're carrying Lois to the next roof. Lois is unconscious. This is a job for Superman. You! 
All of you. Now, who's that where you are? Don't move. Uh, say, who is this guy? It looks like he's going to a masquerade or something. Oh, well, whoever he is, I'm getting out of here. Get out of the next group, Billy. Let me go get away. I said stand where you are and don't move. Yeah? Well, roll this one off your chin, big boy. Oh, no. Ow! 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 Ow!
Then I was to go into Mr. Van Doren's office and think. Go on. I was to arrange it so that Kent and Van Doren went into my office, leaving me alone with Miss Lane. What I was supposed to do after that, you already know. Uh, Keep on taking this down, Matthews. Now, look. Why did the boss want you to spirit Miss Lane out of that room? I asked him that, but he wouldn't tell me. You can bet he had a reason, though. He always does. You still maintain you know nothing, absolutely nothing, about how Fortune met his death. Not a thing. You can't pin a murder rap on me. Baker. Oh, Jones. What luck. Well, so we went to the address those men gave us. The place was empty. All we found was a room with a loudspeaker in it. Huh? Faith wired to another room where there was a microphone. Well, we'll watch the house. Well, there's no it. point in that, sir. The boss knew we were coming. The... What? There was this note pinned to the front door. Let me see that. What does it say, Inspector? It says, better luck next time. And it's signed, the boss. Yes, some place that it's low hideout, huh? I'll say. The boss sure does things right. Maybe it's a good thing the police raided the other dive, huh? Shut up, huh? Horses get something to say. Mm. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello, boys. Hello, boys. We seem to have had some excitement these past few days. Unfortunately, several of our number have been taken by the police. Fortunately, however, they know very little, so they won't be able to tell the police much. I was kind of worried about that, boys. I'm glad to hear it's okay. <laughs> gentlemen, I have called you here to discuss our next job. As you may have heard, the Metropolis National Bank is planning another shipment of gold. Two million dollars worth. Certain that we wouldn't dare attempt the same trick twice. The police have advised them to ship it exactly as they did the other, in a specially built freight car. Well, you mean you're going to make that freight car vanish just like the other one? No. This is what we will do. That train must pass over a deep ravine. There is a bridge. Yeah, a rainbow bridge. Sure, I know it. Boy, that's some drop. If you ever fell off that bridge, you wouldn't have a chance. That's exactly what's going to happen to that train. Hmm? plant great charges of dynamite at the base of each column supporting that bridge. Holy smoke. The train will start to cross the bridge. When the locomotive reaches the other end, its wheels will trip a lever which will set off the dynamite. The entire train will crash into the valley below. Good. You men will be waiting nearby with a fast truck to transfer the coal from the freight car to the truck and make your getaway. Sure, sure. You to get away with it, all right. You know, boss, that's a pretty desolate mountain country there. But uh, what about the people on that train, the the engineer and the brakeman? Two million dollars is worth a few lives. Plus that, I'm anxious to see the end of Clark Kent. Hmm, Sure, but uh, what's all this going to do with Clark Kent? Ah, gentlemen, you can't see beyond your noses. Kent has been working on this case ever since it started. As I figure it, he'll certainly be aboard that train. Need I say more, gentlemen? Need I say more? Well, it looks as if danger really is beginning to threaten. Have you solved the mystery surrounding the death of Mr. Fortune? How was he taken out of his office without Mr. Van Doren seeing him? And have you found the answer to the riddle of the vanished freight car? Well, then be sure to hear the next baffling and thrill-packed episode with Superman! And remember, tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman! Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! (laughs) 
Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!